There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but only one thing to say that can help you protect them. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, a State Farm agent will be there to help you choose the coverage you need, no matter where you are in life. When you need coverage options, your State Farm agent is there to help, on the phone or in person. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Welcome to the ID10T podcast number 1043. Um, I'm talking a little quieter now because I'm in a hotel and I think... People would rather hear someone be having sex in the next room than recording a podcast. You know what I mean? There's just so many podcasts now. People just like beating on the wall. Hey, stop podcasting in there. There's other people trying to sleep. So um, uh, I'm just trying to keep it down and be respectful. But uh, I'm in a hotel because I'm on the road doing stand-up dates. If you go to wizardguitar.com, that's the name of the tour, the Wizard Guitar Tour. Uh, I just had some really fun shows in Columbus, Ohio with the Funny Bone. Thanks if you came out to those. And um, January 30th through February 1st, I'll be at Helium in Philadelphia, Helium Comedy Club. Um, also, Feb 27 through 29, San Francisco at the Punchline, and then Sacramento the weekend after that, and then Portland and Boston and Denver and Bloomington and Minneapolis and Austin and Cleveland. Bunch of bunch of shows coming up. So wizardguitar.com, come on out. Um, I'll sign your pop toy if you want. It doesn't even have to be mine. I'll sign anyone's. <laughs> Just bring me, a, bring me a Thanos pop toy. I'll sign it. I don't care. Um, but let's talk about you, the ID10T community. At the corkboard events at ID10T.com, like Mike, who writes, my cousin made a thing, namely a podcast. Hopefully he's not doing it in a hotel room or someone might bang on the wall. He is a self-made Emmy award-winning producer who has worked his way up from being a video editor to being a producer. And he started a weekly podcast called The Week This Week in Production, which is a candid conversation about video production and related topics. He has guests ranging from longtime veterans in the business to filmmakers and other creatives who are just starting out. He often talks about the tech he has used, lessons he's learned the hard way, best practices for working with clients, and other stories from on the road. This Week in Production is available on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get podcasts. That is a really great idea. I mean, that is very relevant to my interests, of course. But um, I think that is a spectacular idea. I mean, you know what? I sort of joke that there's a lot of podcasts, but I really do think that's a good thing. I mean, you can literally... Any sphere of interest that you might have, there's probably something out there that can address it. And if there isn't, then you could just go friggin' make one. So um, thank you, Mike, for sharing. Again, events at ID10T.com is how you would how you would share your thing with the uh, ID10T audience. This episode is Lucy Lawless, who is rad. Oh, she's such a cool lady. First of all, 
she is Xena. Second of all, um, she's really nice and fun and funny, but she also is a true crime fanatic. And, you know, like I say, like, oh, my wife and I watch a lot of true crime. She legitimately watches true crime in real time. One of her kind of meditative passion hobbies is that she just goes to courtrooms and just watches the process and absorbs the justice system and really just kind of under, tries to understand and uh, and really sort of be a part of how the whole process works. Um, she did a docuseries called My Life is a Murder, which is on Acorn TV, and I hope they do more of them, but it this was just such an interesting deep dive into not only the stuff that you know her from, but also just like what fascinates her about it and what she gets out of it and the whys and the, and uh, it just went in such an interesting direction that um, I greatly enjoyed this conversation. Again, such a cool lady. And I may have, (laughs) I have a screen used Necronomicon from (laughs) Ash versus Evil Dead that I got for my wife as a present because um, Evil Dead is in her f- most favorite things of all time, the, the whole Evil Dead universe. And uh, and maybe, I, uh, you know, <sighs> got the Necronomicon and asked her to sign it, which she was totally cool about doing, so I really appreciated that. So here's the ID10T podcast number 1043 with Lucy Lawless. Initiating ID10T protocol. really want to go to New Zealand. It just looks you, you and every American magical. Like, they're like, get me out of here. And I'm like, how can I get back? I need more people, more trash. <laughs> I just want to visit it. It just yeah. looks, it's just so magical. It feels like going to Narnia. All right. New Zealand feels like, like it might be like Narnia to me. Yes. I think Peter Jackson made that up and, and everybody's rolling with that. <laughs> That's the uh, that's the legend. Now, do you think uh, at first was it like, oh wow, tourism's up in New Zealand? Is it? Are they now like, all right, take it easy, we get it, we just give us a break? A little bit. We've got there's something that New Zealanders cannot stand, and we've had some really recalcitrant um, tourists um, who drop litter. Mm-hmm. And New Zealanders hate that. <laughs> we really oh. hate that. Or uh, we had a couple from. Um, uh, a family from England, and the whole of New Zealand would sort of watch this trail of destruction as this famous family was traveling around the country just abusing people and, and trashing the place. And um, anyway, yeah, the country kind of ganged up on these people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. They're like, uh, they're heading towards you. Have a long north. Come and have a long north. Yeah, yeah, I've got them in my sights. Yeah, I've got to beat on them. Pick that up. Yeah. <laughs> That's incredible because I remember when we, we we went to Japan for our honeymoon, and when we went to the Disneyland in Japan, 
Not one crumb of anything on the ground. They don't eat in public. It's well, yeah. and there's no there's no trash cans anywhere. Yeah. You are expected yeah. to hold on to your own trash until you get to a bathroom or your home or something, and then you throw it away. And people do Is it. That so yes. I didn't know. That. Yes, and people do. It's incredible. It, who knew that was possible, eh? Yeah, I, we we, think we have to like. Discharge trash. It's the second we make it, we have to like get it out of our own yeah, personal yeah. orbit. Yeah. Yeah, if it's not my car, it's not my problem anymore. Yeah, yeah, you know, right. like it's it's bad. But yeah. of course, you good know, good America. For them. Yeah, exactly. Good for them. But America, you know, there's like 350 million of us, so it's just. I think it's probably just difficult to. It's difficult. That's like herding cats. You know, like you can't you can't get 350 yes, million people it, to follow anyone. Well, thing. not when you've got rugged individualism as part of your <laughs> I- cultural identity, right? And especially, so that's part of our country's identity. And then um, narcissistic individualism is sort of the theme of Los Angeles. You know, where it's like it's really. It's not just about what I want to do. It's just all about me. You know, like that's kind of our that's mm. kind of the thing here. It feels like. Do you think so? I think it's such a working town that um, I, I don't find that to be true. It's a working town, but it's built on a foundation of, of unbridled ambition because it, there, is, there are like little hidden pots of gold everywhere in Los Angeles, you know, referring to careers or, right, you know, right. whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I do feel like there – not that there aren't incredibly – I love it here, but I'm just saying I do think that – the um, the fierce ambition is yeah, the, the sort of fuel that. I, I a think bit. there is a strata of society, strata of social society, which um, thinks that everything that glitters is gold. And yeah. by golly, the the Kardashians have shown that they, there is gold to be found in glitter. Right, like everybody's making up all the um, cosmetic. Um, you know, Lancome and all that. Everybody's yeah. making the glitter version, right? Because right. they've bought glamour and glitz and all that um, stuff back. Um, but your average person, I, I just don't find that to be true. I don't find that they buy into it at all. But, I hope that. I hope you're absolutely right. I wonder if the 2020s will signify much in the way that, like, the uh, sort of Wall Street greed is good, glam mm. metal of the 80s gave mm. way to grunge and more like oh interesting th- yeah. that it, are, are we are we about due for a resurgence like a 30-year resurgence cycle of funny like, you mention that because i suppose the converse of the glitter that i don't want to take the kardashians name in vain because i have nothing against those girls actually sure. <laughs> go, go with god i'm fine yeah. with you <laughs> but the converse is this marie kondo um yes. you know that japanese cleaning up girl yes, I, and yes, i've just yes. done what I've been through all my drawers at home in New Zealand and I got rid of anything that didn't bring me joy. So now when I open my closet, nothing rebukes me. There's <laughs> nothing there looking at me going, oh, why did you pay so much for me and now you don't wear me? Or I, I really look great in that color, but the shape is crap and maybe if I lose 10 pounds, I'll look good in that. No, it, bye-bye. It's nope. all gone. Okay, good. Because I, I do um, – I've known about Marie Kondo for quite a long time and KonMari, and the, my, but my problem is that, that so many things bring me joy. Like it's very difficult. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm sure there's a sliding scale of like, well – it's got to bring you like B plus and above <laughs> joy. <laughs> That's and, funny. And not just like I like this thing, you know. Like, but hang on, or is it? Or is the the quality of joy is not strained? Maybe <laughs> it doesn't bloody matter. It's joy 
boom, you go, you get to keep it. I guess right? that's true. But you know, the other thing too, the other side of that, Marie Kondo, if you're listening, is that <laughs> you know maybe you're in a weird mood that day, and then one thing might not bring you joy that day, but the next day you're like, God damn it, that thing actually was joyful, and so, I was in a bad mood. It's the fear of FOMO. Right. Yes. FOMO. Fo FOMO. Fo FOMO. FOMO. It's FOMO. FOMO. That's a new thing. That's going to yeah. be a word of the yep. 2020s. You can have it. But I wonder if we are going to get back to a, like a simplification and a de-glittering. The funny thing about the Kardashians is the the one that um, the, the the billionaire, like the twenty one year old billionaire. <laughs> Nobody's ever yeah, met. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, that's uh, Ky- uh, Kylie. I think that's Kylie. And no, it's another name. Is it Kylie? Kendall? No, Kendall's Kendall. Kendall's older. You know, they, it's Kylie. It is Kylie. Yeah. It's one of them with a K name, yeah. and so that's all of them. But it's she had posted pictures of like her jet, uh-huh. and then there was like a weird backlash, like, "Well, you're flaunting your wealth." Like, what the fuck, Kardashians? Have you been watching people? This is <laughs> this is the agreement. Like, this is you. You guys made this. Right. You know what this is. Of course, they're flaunting it. That's why you. That's why they're. Mm. That's why they do what they do. So that was just funny yeah. to see. Like the the backlash of it's like that's so on brand. What else did right. you think? Yeah, you know, the more is more. Po- post a picture like needle pointing by a fireplace, you yeah. know, and then that'll be. I must say, if I opened my closet and found a private jet in there, it would be out. <laughs> like that would bring, <laughs> me bring you joy. No joy whatsoever. Even if you're even Zero. when you're going through TSA at, at the airport, just like a little bit of joy. You know, there is that thing. Where you go to those funny little airports and you walk straight onto some private plane yep. and every like Jet Suite X yeah. or something and you walk straight off and nobody's looked at your name or anything. Yeah, no. It's like it's like travelling in New Zealand. Yeah. But um <laughs> There is an element to that that's fun. But I get uh, it, you know, carbon footprints and whatnot. Yeah, it's more about that for me anyway. So what are you doing in Los Angeles right now? Are you promoting the the show? No, I'm looking at um apartments and things and thinking about coming back, Fantastic. baby. Yeah, my children are off to university and I'm um it's Lucy time. It's Lucy time. Yeah. That's good. And when you come here, is it do you want to get on a series? Do you want to do movies? Like what what's fun for you? I mean like so your oh. show your show on Zenith lasts a long time and I'm sure mm-hmm. that's good because it's regular work and at the same time do you sort of feel like I don't know. It might be fun to, after a while, you sort of get it. You want to try something else? Well, you should be so lucky as to have a show that goes more than three years these days. Especially, anyway. So yeah. I, 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 I fear that less than I used to, that's for sure. You know, getting – so for <laughs> listeners at home, that <laughs> means, you know, you get, you're scared of getting into a marriage with TV producers or uh, even a role because – if it goes wrong, it's really hard to exit. There's no, there's no exit strategy. <laughs> yeah, that's a difficult just, divorce. Yeah, you're munted, yeah. as we say down under. Um, but no, that, that's not such a, a, a fear these days. Um, it's always just about the role and the people and the company that you're in. Yeah, I just got sent something that's filming in in Spain, and I was like, oh, I totally want to go to Spain, <laughs> man. I would like the more foreign, the better. I'm super into it, you know. But um, but I had to look and go and do the Marie Kondo thing. Will this bring me joy? Yeah, no. Right. No, actually, the role, no. I know this is not in line with what I'm wanting in life. I've kind of done this sort of thing, and um, uh, I'm not dicking around anymore, you know. Well, Time's that's good. Precious. I mean, part of figuring out if something brings you joy is that you, 
you really kind of have to know yourself. Yeah. Because if you don't, it's difficult to make those decisions. So yeah. if you know, like, oh, this, I, I know me and I can project into that situation and I know that's right. not the direction I want to go, then you, it's easier to make those decisions, right. I think. Yeah. Do you, uh, does New Zealand have a, because my pal Reese Darby made this tall poppies show. Yeah. Just sort of like the idea, you know, like you never want to be too... Too tall of a poppy. You don't want to stand out too much. Is that... Well, you get your head cut off. Yes, exactly. Well, I I grew up... um, I'm a little older than Reese, and I grew up when that was very much alive and well before. I always thought there was something we could really borrow from America, and that was that when somebody succeeds here, everybody goes, awesome, because if you succeeded, that means I can too. Like, that's part of the American psyche Mm -hmm. that you should feel really good about, because in countries like mine historically changing now but if you have half the pie there's less for me you know there was it was a sort of a zero-sum game right whereas americans don't have that um and i think that's it's healthier right well i wonder if it also has to do with being in a if you're part of a smaller community if anyone stands out then you're not part of, then it almost feels like you're being separate from the group as opposed to, you know, if you stand out in hundreds of millions of people, like, wow, what a, well, good for that guy, you know, because you're not all a part of the same kind of immediate community. So maybe there's not maybe that, that level of envy. Who does that asshole think mm. they are? That's not, hmm, come on. Or could it be that it's more of um, set in the old world of England, which is much more socially stratified? Totally. So... If you're over there, you're in a big community, but say you're from East London or something, if you suddenly get above your station, you it's a repudiation of who you came from. I don't right. know this to be true, but right, this right, is just right. me supposing, you know, that you are letting down the team by wanting to go and live in a castle just because you right. can afford it. Right. Mr. Beckham or whatever. You yeah. know? <laughs> you're supposed to say one of those horrible council flats for the rest of your life. And, right. And... Um, Anyway, I, I don't know what it is. It that, might, but, but, but I think that's it, though. It's, it's, it feels like you're abandoning co- your community and mm-hmm. also uh, joining the other team who oppresses yeah, yeah, yeah. the people who oh, are... Oh, la-di-da. Yeah. Who do you think you are? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, just... I just want to get lattes every day. That's all. Oh, that's la-di-da. A, oh, 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 good for you. Yeah. Good for you. I'm fascinated by your fascination with because I your show was about the show that you did was about murder trials. Oh, the Australian show. Yeah. Yes, my and life I, is murder. And yeah. I really, you know, because my wife and I are true crime fanatics. Oh, me too. Yes, and um, and it's it does sort of tap into that thing where. We can, you know, because for the longest time we would watch scripted shows. We, you know, watch scripted procedurals or scripted crime dramas or whatever. And then television sort of figured out, oh, if you like that, the real stuff is even crazier. Right. And it's and it's real. These things really happen. So is is it is it that we get to follow an arc that usually kind of resolves at the end, where you see actual justice? Like, what what is the what do you think the main draw of this explosion of true crime is? Ooh, um, I guess. Well, first and foremost, that that uh, scripted drama, fake crime, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> is um, it's satisfying because it does tie up neatly and there is the verisimilitude of justice at the end and I think we're all a bit hungry for that these days so um and it's always a little bit heightened Mm -hmm. whereas um 
true crime in real life, when you go to the courts, like I'm a bit of a court watcher when I don't have anything else to do, um, is it really lacking in glamour or mystery. It's really banal and gritty and brutal and sad, you know. Um, so the true crime that you see on, say, Forensic Files or whatever is always a little bit heightened mm-hmm. because ain't nobody going to find it entertaining what I go and watch in the courts. Right. Only, you know, odd birds like me are going to find <laughs> that in some way illuminating about the human spirit. Everybody else is just going to be just going to be depressed. By right. It, you know, Um so uh, why? Because I think we're all just um, get better access. We can access it all the time. So many podcasts, so many. Uh, you can follow documentaries about just about anything. They make it, six, I mean, six or 12-part series on Netflix, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, you can go deep. Yeah, but I, I wonder if it's also the that sort of human curiosity of, you know, the darkest recesses of the human mind. What happens when people go bad, you know, and 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 not getting away with it and figuring out like, oh, this is how these people, because we watch a lot of this um, um, and we are somewhat acquaintance with this fella named Joe Kenda who does a show called Homicide Hunter. No, yeah. And Homicide Hunter is great because he really humanized, in the way that I think a lot of American culture sort of glorifies crime in a way, He's very, he doesn't glamorize it in any way. And he talks about the nightmares that he has and, and the, the horrors of it from a very <laughs> human level. Um, but he, he was doing it at a time where there wasn't really a lot of technology. You know, they didn't have, they didn't, DNA wasn't a thing yet. It was just old gumshoe, like, mm. and that to me is really, really, really interesting. It's like... Because it feels like before we really had technology, how did everyone just not get away with crime all the time? How do they track these people, you know, how do they track people down? I do not know. Do you think, though, <laughs> because they, they rely so much on instinct, and that's going to vary so much from individual detective to one detective from another, aren't they? So, um, I don't know, inter- interviewing techniques are so interesting. Do you ever look at interrogation techniques? No. Oh, my God, so great. It's all on YouTube. And um, perhaps these days crimin- or criminals are getting a little bit more sophisticated, but your average murderer isn't actually a criminal. They're just some hot-headed, you know, some or drugged-out person or jealous as buggery or whatever, Um they're not. They've never committed a crime before, probably. But um, um, where was I going with this? So they're not sophisticated. I don't. I don't. You know. I don't know. I had a friend who used to write for the Crime Beat in Los Angeles, and he said he used to really be afraid of getting randomly murdered in Los Angeles <laughs> until he started doing the Crime Beat and realized most crime, most murders are um, in the home. Well, related to that. They're they're committed against people that the murderer knows. So there, he said the occurrence of random murder, he said, was exceptionally like way lower than he thought it would be. Uh, and so I guess it was just a matter of not pissing off any of his friends. But but the idea that it 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 is this kind of I mean you know because obviously there's like wives who kill, mistresses who attack, yeah. husbands who you know like there's there is so much of it in the home and there's so much of it in the community. And I'm always. 
It's the idea, I guess you're right. People just, even if they think it through, it's like, you're not really thinking this through. Like, you just used a credit card at a gas station, so how do you, you know, you obviously didn't really, this was just a thing that happened. Mm. What do you love about it? What do you love about seeing it? Do you actually go to courtrooms and watch? Mm -hmm. What do you love about that? Well, I have a lot of patience for certain things. I love the idea very much. Um, I haven't seen jury selection in New Zealand, though I have been caught watching there before, but um, I've seen it in Louisiana, in Caddo Parish, which is the parish which meets out the most death penalties in America. And became friends with the judge and the, <laughs> the bailiffs and everything. You know, it's very interesting. <laughs> But you learn about the community where they they're polling the community who has um, who amongst these prospective jurors has um, an incidence of crime in their family, major crime in their family, and two out of fourteen in Shreveport had two major criminal events in their immediate family. Oh my god! Um, which is shocking, and that's what happens in poor communities. Anywhere that there's economic uh, stress, uh, up goes. Up goes tensions, up goes murder rates, up goes drug addiction, everything. It's all about um, inequality and, you know, poverty. Anyway, um, it was a dog fighting trial. And out of the presence of the rest of the jury, they were polling some people who asked for privacy. And so I'm sitting there like a ghoul in the back of the <laughs> thing, you know, hiding behind a pillar. And this very upright woman with a um she was like 70 years old and she had a a long bob and she, very regal she sort of glided up the aisle and they'd called her and her name was i won't say what her actual name was but her name was like miss america right or something like that it was like a beauty queen right right and i was like thinking you know here comes the lady with a tiara and the sash and also no this very regal older woman floats up the aisle and she sits on this stand and they say, ma'am, I believe that you have um, somebody who is incarcerated in your family. She said, yes, my, my son is in um, Angola prison for 11 years. And uh, they said, well, what is he in for, ma'am? And she says, uh, child rape. Oh, my right? God. And, and I'm go, oh, my God, I feel like such a turd just sitting there watching this woman having to bear her, her soul, you know. And they said, and ma'am, I believe you have a court, uh, something before the courts presently. And she said, yes, uh, my uh, last year my aunt was kidnapped and murdered. And when is that coming up for trial, ma'am? November with this judge here. Like, oh it is God. such a small community. That's the, the, the um, degrees of separation are so slight, you know. Um, oh, she was picked. She did not get a little because they wanted somebody who would not be... Uh, and prejudiced the, against oh, the guy that was an articulate, intelligent woman um, to deliberate on the facts. So, um, and there was somebody else whose uncle was, uh, his father was shot and murdered while washing his car on a Sunday, and whose uncle was in federal prison for, he was a judge for uh, fraud. So um, it was pretty shocking to see this is uh, the makeup of the community. All these completely upstanding people are. Um, major victims of crime, of criminality. And so when you go and you sit in the courtroom, like, what are you watching for? Are you just, is it just the process? You just want to understand how it works? Uh, all of it. I love, I love having my preconceptions busted. Like, I know now that I cannot tell a liar. I always thought I'm pretty good. 
yeah. you know, in real life. But you're not dealing, you're dealing with people on the most extraordinary day of their lives, probably. Mm-hmm. And um, apart from the day of the crime, um, and sometimes you see incredible triumphs. There was um, a horrible case where uh, a woman's head was cut off with a box cutter. Right, that's the number one weapon in America, and tool for hurricanes. You've got to have a box cutter, cut mm-hmm. yourself out of your house. Right, of course. <laughs> um, anyway, her head was cut off. This is a this town, man. Nothing goes on in this town. I arrived on a Sunday. There was not a single place I could get anything to eat. It was closed, and I I didn't have work for a few days, just a costume fitting. So I was like, shit, I'll go to the courthouse and snuggle up to the bailiffs. I know you've got to you know make nice with the bailiffs and try to find out what courtroom to go in. And um, shit, where was I going with this story? That you showed up oh, on a okay, Sunday. okay, okay. So this lady, this nothing happens in this town, but it turns out they have the best surgeon accrediting hospital. That's where they do it for the whole state of Louisiana. So they stitch this woman's head back on. She lives and she goes on to testify. What? What? It was amazing. That is not where I thought this was going. Someone cut her head practically off. You know, it was everything except obviously the most. How did she not bleed out? How did she? I don't. I don't know. Oh my god! I know. How do you serve? No one survives decapitation. That's well, a miracle. Well, well, near, obviously near decapitation, but um, it was yes, yeah, super serious. She bloody well survived, and. Um, yeah, anyway, so you just see some extraordinary things and, and you, normal people in extraordinary circumstances. And so you – and do they do they come up and say anything to you? Or Sometimes people trying to like, take selfies you? You know, in the courtroom? Or people no, no, nothing like that. I mean, yeah. I, I'm super discreet and super – you know, I, I don't dress up. Except for the one time with the box cutter lady because I was on – I was working that day and I was dressed as the countess from Salem, right? So I had like five wigs on or stuff. I'm like, i got to get out of here. Am I wrapped? Am I wrapped? And I'm like running to the courthouse with the – I'm like, I'll bring the wigs back tomorrow. And I showed up like, like slow motion. It was, but I missed the woman. I didn't get to see her You testify. didn't get to see her I didn't testify. get to, no. So that's a great re- regret, but that, um, but I saw her in the family, in the um, you know waiting out in the. That waiting. is so incredible, and I'm sure the person who did it, when they see her up on the stand, like you gotta be fucking kidding, like yeah. that woman's like, yeah, so she, see, she zombie. This is where zombie. my head <laughs> used to be fully attached, and that person. Cut it, tried to cut it. Like, that is yeah. mind-blowing. There's so many other things around it. You know, you get to see the witnesses who do not want to testify because you just want, don't want to have anything to do with the law in these cases. And then the policemen who um, can say some pretty questionable things. They might be great up on the stand, but then you hear them sniggering in the back about something they don't need to be mean about. And it's just, it just the scales fall from your eyes. Wow. That's what happens when you go to you, – you start to learn about the real world. That's a really fascinating way to look at it too because you – because when we're watching true crime or we watch stuff on the news, we're just – it's basically a highlight reel. I mean it's the same as watching like a sports highlight reel. Like these are all the biggest moments that happen to this thing. But actually seeing – but it still doesn't give you a sense of what the process is because I, I will watch these shows a lot of times and go, oh, but I wonder what the – I wonder what the day-to-day, and Kenda talks about that too. It's like the day-to-day is very, can be very boring. It's paperwork. Mm. It's, feel, oh, you know, it's all sure the, the weird legal stuff. Yeah. 
you know? Like, it's not... If you went and watched all day in a courtroom, you, you probably wouldn't... You probably are... Those, those special magical moments are probably few and far between, I would imagine. You're sitting there most of the time waiting, I would guess. No, I think it's 50. For me, it's like 50-50. Wow. There's a lot of waiting, but that's the cost of doing it. And I never go with anybody anymore because they don't know how to sit there quietly and be anonymous. <laughs> <laughs> they want to go, oh, my God, did you hear that? I'm like, I'm never bringing you again. <laughs> no. no, but that's, that's, that's really interesting that this is like basically your meditation room is going to a courtroom and finding – being centered in an otherwise extremely chaotic environment. No, it's very ordered. It's not chaotic. Why do you say that? Because it's it's built on chaos. It's built on the it's built on the sorting through of chaos and reigning in chaos and trying to understand right. and um, punish or not punish chaotic behavior. And so the fuel mm. of it is very chaotic, though I hear what you're saying. Yes, I think you're right, especially if you go to family court, there's far more of that. Or, you know, the, um, the lower courts where they're not dealing with so much murder, but right. and then they're getting through things fast. I imagine that's extremely chaotic. But if you're at the high court, it's extremely orderly. Do you ever feel like you're settling? For your foundation, that is. Maybelline's new Instant Age Rewind Eraser Foundation doesn't settle into fine lines and wrinkles. With SPF 20 and moisturizing pro-vitamin B5, this foundation not only provides medium coverage in a natural finish, but also protects and nourishes your skin. And the best part? The blurring sponge tip applicator makes application a breeze. Say goodbye to cakey, uneven foundation and hello to a flawless, radiant complexion. Try our new foundation today and see the difference for yourself at amazon.com slash instant eraser foundation. And so are you going to do more of this show? Do you know if you're going to do more? Uh, we'll see if they're going to order more scripts, but, um, but the court watching goes on regardless. <laughs> it's, that, that's such an interesting passion project. I mean, you have... I feel like... Have you ever talked to the Investigation Discovery people? I feel like they would give you a show. Oh, no, I, I know. Henry Schleif's a good friend of mine, actually. Okay. So, no, we're, he runs ID Discovery, and um, he has offered me shows, but it's, I'm, I'm an actress, and that's what I love to do. Yeah, just seeing people in courts, it's just real, unvarnished life. There ain't no Kardashians where I go. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> are you I mean this might I hope this doesn't sound like weird or indulgent or whatever but are you in the kind of in the back of your mind doing character studies as well I mean I feel like there's probably I, I a lot to I, draw on um, I, I'm not honestly it's pure um, osmosis oh, wow. it's pure I'm, I'm, no, I'm not it's it's the opposite of drama right which is heightened which is glamorous, which is... It's like my favourite would be Columbo. If you go back and look at Columbo, which was a brilliant, brilliant series, uh, apart from the fact they had 90 minutes to tell a story, they always told it about rich people. And we found that on um, uh, on My Life is Murder. We did one which was of a suburban couple. And, yeah, visually, it was boring. It was boring. <laughs> you know, if you, if you tune into TV, you're there to be entertained right. first and foremost. Um, even if it's a news show, there's entertainment packed into that experience. So, um, you know, nobody's showing up in their T-shirt and their... 
I saw Katie Turr today on MSNBC, actually, and she was wearing a sweater, not unlike mine. Her hair was a bit messy. I was like, whoa, is this casual Friday? <laughs> like, I couldn't hear anything she said because she looked like she'd just schlemmeled in from the playground, you know? Um, Those Columbos are phenomenal because not only is Peter Falk was like uh, a genius yeah. and also a comedy genius, but just a genius in general. It's it, it. You're right. It was always rich people because it relied on the fact that they... The, 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 his mechanism relied on class distinction, and they always overlooked right. him because he just looked like this low class, dirty. Right. But his secret weapon was that he was he clocked everyone in the first five seconds, and he just yeah. fucked with them the entire. So yeah. it was just like he he was able he was the smartest person in the room, yeah. and their hubris didn't allow them to right. see that. And the other thing is that rich people often do get away with all sorts of crimes because they're they're better resourced, they're better lawyers, all that sort of stuff. So to have the gumshoe come in and nail their ass to the wall, you know, it's like beautiful it gives it's a bit of Schadenfreude, I think, on our part of the Yeah. Um yeah. But just and also the torturing of the just one more question, just one more thing, just, just one more thing. Because those people, they don't want to have to answer anyone. They don't want to be bothered, and it's yeah. just this like annoying. Yeah. You know, it's like if a flea started biting you, and then by the end of it had fully consumed yeah. you. Like that's ultimately yep. what it is. Yep. One more thing. I just have one chickens. more. Just, just, just one more. Someone just make a supercut of him going. Ah, just one more. Can I just, uh, just one more? Yeah, one more thing. Maybe there's a crime show for you to do. Maybe like a. Yeah. Like a scripted crime show for yeah, you to do, please. like an investigator. You know, I always, I'm always fascinated by the part of the entertainment business where you just can't predict what's going to land and what's going to work, and things that you think are going to be the thing aren't, but other things that you don't expect. Was a show like Xena? Was this a show where you felt right away, like, yeah, this is going to be? I mean, that show was so exponentially massive on a global scale. Did you have any inkling when you're making the pilot for this show like this is going to be the next several years of my life? I just thought that was the natural turn of events. I was so ignorant. I was such a country mouse in New Zealand that I thought, oh, yeah, this is good. This is going to be big and successful and everything. But um, even when I hear you saying exponentially successful or whatever, I don't quite believe it. It seems like you're just doing shtick because, uh, you know, when something's just your life, it doesn't, the horizons are still only the end of the road. Do you right. know what I mean? So you just think, like, oh, we did this nice little show and we got to do it and we had a good time. Never a crossword. And um, so whether it was successful in other places, I kind of know it was, but I don't feel it was. Do you know what I mean? I can't even relate to that that's probably healthier <laughs> that's probably a healthy way to live i guess or it's just a deficit you know or it's just part. that classic new zealand thing you know yeah we're, we're so small yeah but maybe that's it i just couldn't get my head out in new zealand but you must have like the first comic-con you went to you must have been like holy shit what the hell is happening right now yeah i think i went to a Xenocon first and there was like five thousand people or something. <laughs> your own con. and i made sure that i did um for uh, autographs for every single person who like, I was there for hours. <laughs> I was doing an Elizabeth Warren <laughs> even back then. Um, yeah, I don't know. I was just I was so ignorant. I thought this isn't all natural. Yeah. Well, you didn't, and also you didn't want anyone to feel left out, right? You wanted to make sure everyone was included. Yeah. Um, yeah. You got to thank the fans. But that's the thing is that I think shows that really connect like that 
I think the fans have this sort of relationship to the people on the shows that the people on the shows understand the fandom. Like, they appreciate the fandom. I think that's why Supernatural was such a big hit. I think that's why Walking Dead is such a big hit. And, and Because I feel like... Tons of fan engagement. There's a lot of fan yeah. engagement. And right. the community feels like, oh, the, the actors don't put themselves above us. They're a part of it. They understand. Like, we're all in oh, it. Yeah. We're all in it together. And I, I suspect that that was probably an element for you as well. People are like, oh, she's, mm. she's like one of us. Like, she understands all this stuff. Yeah, it was also a show that it was born at the same time as the internet. Mm-hmm. So um, it very quickly had a bunch of very internet uh, savvy, literate fans that grew a very strong network very early on. So 1995, right? Yeah. 96. And, um, and they've remained, they've got also the, one of the, the ethos of the show was for the greater good. So they took that as their raison d'etre and they've sort of formed some um, kind of a, a <laughs> loose coalition of people who do good things for the world. Right. And um, so one day a year they have um, Feel the Love Week. Lucy Lawless Feel the Love Week. <laughs> well, I think that's important. And they do amazing things in their, in their own happy. communities. Well, because I feel like so many protagonists on shows now are um, have a despicable like there's a there's a real kind of dirt like are we are we basically have dirty protagonists now right where it's that kind of like that Walter White oh they're the protagonists but they're kind of evil right. now they're really evil oh you know this character's kind of fucked up and I can't up, stop loving and them. I can't stop loving yeah. it so to have a character that is fully just purely good. You know, that hmm. fights for good, that is... Well, that would have been Hercules. Xena wasn't quite that. She might have been the start of the dirty hero. You think because so? Because she was, you know... Um, yeah, because she had come from a bad background and um, she had discovered love and discovered goodness and... Yeah. But she embraced it. I mean, it still was... There's still... I think she struggled. She's still, she still moited people. She was still... <laughs> she still was a warrior a princess. Yeah. Yeah. Do you do you think you're do you like doing physical cuz Ash versus Evil Dead was pretty physical too. Like you were pretty physical on that show too. Do you sort of do you love and all the, and also we love that show. Love that show to the extent that from for my wife's birthday last year I got I bought at an entertainment auction the Necronomicon. Oh, have you got one? I have one. Yeah. I do too. Oh, you do? Yeah. Maybe Wait, I'll. now I want to see it. I'll show it to you. I want to see it. Maybe you'll sign it, it inside it later. It used to be in my bedroom. <laughs> I used to have a couple of them, you know? Yeah. Them sort of lying around going, what do we do with these? Well, you know, they did a really great job with it because they actually, they, there's stuff in the pages. There's all these illustrations. Oh, wait, like, you mean from the last, last series? Yes. The actual. Has it got a, a bloody face? Yes. Stop it. Yes, oh, I'll show it to you. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. I'll know if I handled that. I can't wait to, yeah, right. because they. It, that was one of the reasons why, not only because it was on the show, but also it was like, wow, the prop department was so meticulous with it that there are diagrams. Like, they really built out, like, it's, mm. I mean, there are some pages that repeat, but ultimately, it's like, this is like a Necronomicon. This is like a real Necronomicon. <laughs> it's like here. a real one. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't be reading this. That's funny. I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. yeah, I'll show it to you after after we're done. It was because it's um, 
she's a ash is like my wife's face. If, if you walk around, there's like a an ash bust downstairs from Army of Darkness. Oh, really? There's an ash puppet in oh, in our living room, and so uh, when I when I told Lydia that you were coming over, she was like, "You should show her the Necronomicon," which is a sentence that to most couples <laughs> might sound strange. Very normal around these yeah, parts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very normal around uh, these parts. Cool. Do you um, do you kind of think? Is kind of staying in this community in the Comic Con community. Is this is this a world that you want to continue to play in, or do you think like you know it might be fun to do like a network, you know, like a network procedural type of a show? I mean, do you have ideas about the things you want to do, or do you just kind of see what's um, available? Oh no, I'm I'm I I love it all, and um, but now you know what I want to do I'd love to do a West Wingy type thing mm-hmm. or a something you know anything produced by the Kings for example <laughs> right um, I would love to revisit the whole the Xena thing one time if, if they're all doing reboots but that's been a whole you know kind of a sickening path of a very annoying path of um, that led to nowhere in the past but is it just sort of le- illegal and, is it a legal and rights issue no I think they couldn't figure out how to do it you know, they were going to try it with new people or something. They couldn't do it. So I'm like, huh, 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 maybe, uh, maybe. Uh, <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> maybe we should go back to the old folks. <laughs> well, I, you know, like I do feel like it's the kind of thing where they could do a limited series, see how it does. It would probably be huge, and then you'd be you'd be off doing it again. Yeah. I love hearing that you're open to doing it again, though, because sometimes, you know, when people work on a thing for a long time and they, you know, like, ah, I already did that. But it's nice. Like, it's, I, and again, I think it's part of the reason well, why. Well, believe me, I've been through all sorts of phases, but especially if, if they're looking to, you know, replace and do a different scene, of course I'm going to go hands off, heart off. I cannot participate in this conversation because, you know, I'm not part of it. So right. you will shut down your heart a little bit. Sure. You know what I mean? Um, uh, but I don't know. I got things. I got things about it. I I really you know with all the streaming services who are so especially you know Netflix and all these new ones who are so like part of the carrot is bringing on content that people already know. I would be shocked if one of them wasn't like if they heard if they caught wind that you would be willing to do it. That, oh, that they should oh, do it. They better be listening to the Chris Hardwick show, eh? <laughs> <laughs> the president of Hollywood is like, Lawless is in. Let's do it. Let's get it done. I mean, do, have you thought about what the extension of the story would be? Do you do? Have you thought about? Does it just kind of like drop right back in? Is it is it continuing adventures? Are you? Is, is she in a I'm different not, place? I'm not telling you. Yes, I have lot, thought a lot about Good. it. Good. Well, that's um, all. That's all that I. That's all yeah. I want to hear. Yeah. That's all I want to hear. Would you want to write it as well? I'm not going to speak to you any more about this subject. <laughs> Would you um, want to tell me about it often? <laughs> no, look, listen, I have not spoken to anybody and in any position to... That's fine. Things go, but um, I have lots of thoughts about good, it. Good, 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 good. And what's your first plan when you, get, when you finally land back in L.A.? What do you want to do, do, do? Do you want to just kind of get reacclimated? Do you immediately want to start trying to figure out what to do, or is it, do you just want to be here oh, in no, this no, environment? no, no, no. You can start thinking about that, you know, what you want to work-wise. Yeah. That's an ongoing thing. So I've, I've done a lot of meetings in the last couple of weeks, and, um, uh, and we'll just see what transpires, you know. So when I come back, 
I'm going to get myself an apartment. I'm going to, I really love this area where you, where you are, you know, I love Up old, in the hills. old Hollywood. Yeah. Well, we don't have a lot of, I mean, you know, in terms of the United States is a young country and Southern California is a particularly young, it's probably the youngest part of the contiguous states. And so, you know, when you look around at the history, it's like, hey, these houses were built in 1927, you know, and people are like, whoa, anywhere else. is New Zealand's even younger because even though the Maori have been in New Zealand for 900,000 years, um, they did not have uh, a way of building that was built to last more, you know, it was all sort of regenerative building. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, they didn't have constructions that uh, that lasted. So our buildings are only 150 years old. Oh, Max. wow. Max, any, wow. any of them. Yeah. Little wooden houses. Do you like the Spanish-style houses? I do. I love it. I love the deco, Spanish-style houses. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a good... It, there's a bad thing that's happening in Los Angeles now, which is a lot of the historical things are being torn down mm. and they're just putting up these like glass boxes everywhere. Yeah. You're like, you know, mm. not only does this look dumb now, this is going to look really stupid in 10 years, but they probably are just like, yeah, we'll just knock it down. You know, everything's. Yeah. Uh, All their tastes in their mouth. Yes. Oh, wow. That's a great way to put it. Cause it's that. so just like, ah, this is what's hot now. But it's the idea that things are so disposable. Our, you know, like our technology. Do you remember when we were growing up? Like, if you bought something, you that was it. Like, you you took care of it because you probably couldn't get another one anytime soon. And now you are shunned from society if you don't get a new phone every year. Like a new phone, they're fine. You know, they're fine. I do it. It's just crazy. It's crazy. That's right. That old flip. Flip top phone. <laughs> they, <laughs> Had to go, right? They rebooted that, didn't the the, the razor like rebooted and it now it's like a foldable screen, but it's like right, yeah, but that yeah, old yeah. that old timey flip phone, you know? And even that's not that old. Right. Where mm. are we going? Like we're so we're so, like we're so consumed. At a certain point there's just not gonna be any new technology. What are what are we going to do? Well, it'll be prosthesis. It'll be technology as you know, chip in your head, mm-hmm. something in your arm. Yep, yep. Bionic eyes. Something in your willy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think, eh, as long as the surgery was safe, I don't think most dudes would turn that down. A robotic <laughs> willy? Come on! Under pressure from the wife. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If you, hey, this thing's not, I just, need to, I just need to do a quick download. I just need to download. The six million dollar penis, yeah. <laughs> Faster, bigger, faster, stronger. <laughs> I just need a <clears throat> firmware update. Good night. You guys <laughs> have been great. Are you? Did you ever do live theater? Do you want to do? Do you like doing live stuff? I've at done all? some live theater. Yeah, I like it all. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just a performer. I'm a performer, so um, I don't always love theater. Um, doing it or watching it? Doing it. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not sure why that is. I, I love being on a set because all day long you are achieving things. Mm-hmm. You're like ticking it off. Check. Yes. <laughs> a scene two. Check. Scene two. A check. You know, and it's a very collaborative. All the crew are, they're super collaborators, mm-hmm. super cooperators. And, um, otherwise you can't. 
you're not a super cooperative human being, you can't fit into a team like that where everybody has to have a common focus for many, many hours a day, not necessarily talking to one another, but step in just when your job is necessary. So um, it's a certain kind of person. That's why crews are the same all over the world. Right. And it's it it's in the Marie Kondo bloody collection of life. I, I could never leave it because that brings me so much joy. I love working with people like that, and I love this, the um, producing something together with minimal words and minimal communication. You're just all um, synced synced up it sounds like you love process like going and going to courts is process like you're watching a process unfold and working on a show you're watching a process unfold yeah maybe yeah that it's a were were you an organized kid growing up did you like set to-do lists and check 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 no 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 i'm very um instinctive Mm -hmm. but you might be right i've never thought about it like that i mean processes in a world that sort of feels uncontrollable or chaotic or whatever, it is very comforting. Like a structure of like, do this and then do this and then do this yes. and then do this is incredibly satisfying. You're right. And it's quite hard to get used to at first because I remember the first eight months of Xena, which was my first major job, obviously, um, losing my mind because I had no say in what time I got up, what time I got home, what I wear that day, what I say, what I eat. Um, when I can see my children, my mm-hmm. mother, my life outside of work shrank down to almost nothing. And um, finally, I just surrendered to it. In eight months in, I surrendered and I never had a problem, which means that I have to be rehabilitated back into real life because I'm like <laughs> not that good at that. So maybe you're right. What I do for relaxation, I go to a place with a lot of process. Yeah. Pro- yeah, because then you can just surrender to it and go. Right. Okay, I know. I'll this stand there. Doing. I'll say and this. And when they tell me to leave and go home, okay. <laughs> okay, I'm done. Okay. Have you ever covered a carpet stain with a rug? Ignored a leaky faucet? Pretended your half-painted living room is supposed to look like that? Well, you're not alone. We've all got unfinished home projects, but there's an easier way. When you download Thumbtack, it's easier to care for your home from top to bottom. Pull out your phone, and in just a few steps, you can search, chat, and book highly rated pros right in your neighborhood. Plus, you'll know what to tackle next, because Thumbtack is the app that shows you what to do, who to hire, and when. So say goodbye to all those unfinished home projects, and say hello to caring for your home the easier way. Download Thumbtack and start a project today. So what what sort of process is like if you don't have a courtroom available and you're not working on a thing... What do you sort of do with your free time? How do you structure your free time? And how do you, how do you motivate yourself? In the absence of a pre-existing structure, are you able to create your own structure in order to get things accomplished? Between jobs, when I was starting out, I would get into um, like home, home sort of crafts, like um, sanding down tables or picture frames or whatever and, and re, you know, resurfacing mm-hmm. them and oiling them, beautiful old wood and stuff like that, or decoupage or anything, just to make the home beautiful. And we were very, very poor. So um, it was secondhand junk turned made into treasures. Yes. And I still, so I do get little hobbies or I go uh, writing with my friends or singing. You find a way to creatively keep, uh, get a project going. You know? Right. Yeah. 
Are, are you like a? Do you like to restore? Like, if you buy an old house, are you gonna to want to buy one that's restored, or do you want to get in and do all the work? No, yourself? I would want to do it myself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't be doing it myself. I'm not going to wallpaper the whole thing. No, myself. no, 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 no. But um, I would like a place with good bones that just needs a reimagining. You know. That's what we did here. We had to restore this place from, um, and it took two years. Wow. And uh, but we lived in it at the time. And that is... Nightmarish. It is a little bit. Yeah, it is a little bit. Because you're just always in the way. You're in the way in your own house. And every morning at 7.30, there's like... You have all these new roommates who are just doing the work that they were hired to do. And you have to get out of the way. And it's like, oh, none of the bathrooms work today. Okay, sorry, guys. You yeah, know. yeah, yeah. Sorry about it. <laughs> I didn't know that before... Uh, I probably should have... Uh, Before I drank my asked, coffee. Oh, oh, so the water's shut off. Oh, well, this is really unfortunate. Okay, don't go in there. Don't go in there. It's nothing you want to see in there. Yeah. It, it, do, you, do you like to modernize old things, or do you like to sort of, you know, bring back the, the ancient splendor? I think I... Yeah, I'm in the ancient splendor box at the moment, because, um, you know, if you get an old deco place, I... Yeah, I don't. I don't want to see it bastardized. I want it to be exactly taken right back to as it was designed to be. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes well, you've got to hack out a lot of horrible eighties modernization. Oh, it's right? it's definitely it's definitely an archaeological dig where yeah. you're looking at the stratification of like yeah. this was a bad decade. Why did people do this then? Yeah, <laughs> what you feel embarrassed here? for them that they thought that was a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> You mirrored the ceiling yeah. in a 1928 Spanish... Yeah, you covered it in that asbestos sparkly stuff all over. Now I have to get rid of the asbestos, you oh, dumb bastards. Oh, yeah, we've, we've had to do that before in restoration words. Because once you start poking holes in walls, you don't know what you're going to find. Is right. it going to be asbestos, a skeleton, a treasure? You please, know, please a skeleton. Skeleton, a, a skeleton treasure. <laughs> a skeleton made of diamonds would be great. I do like to, I do like to watch videos of like... Man finds two-pound emerald hidden in wall, you know, because it just kind of makes you go like, "What the fuck is hidden in these walls?" You know, like you just don't, you just don't know. Okay, let me ask you this. Yeah, what's your favorite true crime? True crime, like like the, the of recent years, story, person, act, all of the above. Um, I was pretty fascinated by the Jody Arias trial. Yeah, that was amazing. Because it and again, I don't know and I've tried to, you know, I've looked online and tried to figure out is it is it sociopathy, is it borderline personality disorder? Like what is it because it was it was that mo- it was the moments after the murder where she was doing all these in- inter- interview shows like, well, I'm we're going to find the per- like that's a ballsy move, you know, like trying to get oh, in front of so it that good, way. Wasn't she? Yeah. And then as the story started to crumble, like watching her pivot. And then in one of the later successive trials, the idea that she thought, oh, I'm going to make t- I'm going to make T-shirts and sell them. And I'm going to use the I'm going to wear the T-shirt in court as an advertisement. I mean, it's just so like all over the map. Mm. And so it's trying to figure out. Again, I don't know her. I'm not trying to be disparaging toward anyone. But it's just that there's like this sort of emptiness behind her eyes, at least in what it looked like when she was when it when you when you're trying to figure out like 
watching the weird, the gears turn in her head. Mm. That to me was very fascinating because it was such a microscope of like, is this unchecked mental illness? Is this just pure, um, you know, uh, sociopathic bravado? Like what, what is it that's driving her and watching all the pivots and the twists and turns? Yeah, she, that was a very extraordinary case, especially the amount of overkill. It's like the, actually the first stab would have killed him. Right. She didn't have to go on with it and um, and then cut his neck, right? Right. As he ran down the hall. She'd stabbed him a ton of times, ran down the hall. There was that rainbow of blood as she, he slumped the floor. He, he was already dying from the very first stab. She drags him back, bungs him in the shower, I guess hose him off, and then puts a, pops a cap in his head, right? Right, right. So the the rage, the incredible um, rage and power of this girl, to have been able to drag that big man back, and um, and the <laughs> one of the very curious things, she came and snuck into his house one night through the cat flap. <laughs> Do you remember that through the freaking cat flap? Oh no! She was gunning so hard for him, and then she made a beeline for another boyfriend just had sex with him to prove that she couldn't possibly have had sex with anybody else a mere 12 hours ago. Uh, wow. <laughs> that was her alibi. Oh, oh my God, that was terrible. Yeah, so that one was pretty fascinating. That one was pretty fascinating to me. I mean, and then I do like, I like the different shades. I, I like Forensic Files because it is such a time capsule because it's it's it was it was new technology at the time and the narrator... Oh my god! Just lulls you to sleep. Peter, um, oh, he was really big. He he was the voice that they used in the na 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 nineteen that Paul Hardcastle oh, song really? from the eighties because mm-hmm. he was a you know he was a very distinctive narrator and um, and it just rolls over because it has no credits. There's no credits. It just rolls it just over, rolls. And, and you're watching <laughs> you're watching them talk about this new technology of computers and DNA, but it's you know, it's 20, 25 years old, and so it's kind of fun. It's a time capsule yeah, in that yeah, yeah. way. I also like City Confidential. Remember when that guy with the southern accent? Oh, right. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Do it? He died, unfortunately, and then somebody else who sounds very similar took it over. But um, I really like that because it got to show you, you know, lull you into this false sense of security about this beautiful part of the America and then yeah. <laughs> unfolding some hideous crime. Yeah, but um, but there's so but but watching all the iterations. You know, my wife was watching one that Susan Lucci hosted, like she hosted the wraparounds for it, and it was all like passion crimes, and it was it's salacious and it and it, the thing that's funny to me about it is you know it's there's these lines in there like, well two's company but three is murder, and then you're like ah that's kind of fun, and then you go wait a minute people died <laughs> you know yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah. such a strange yeah we've gotten. We, we've gotten so unnaturally comfortable with murder as an entertainment source. It's a yeah. very strange. It's a very strange thing. Now that, I feel ashamed. No, no, we all do it. <laughs> well, it's it's that morbid curiosity, you know. It's yeah. that. It's that. People have always been interested in this for thousands of years. Of course. There's. Uh, they used to write about it in the newspapers all the time, and in England, right back in like. 1500s. There weren't newspapers, of course. No, but... But people were really taken with updates of hideous crimes. There was a a series that was really interesting. The the premise of it was really fascinating, although it was a difficult... Without spoiling too much, it was a difficult thing to pay off, but there's a guy who's a direct descendant of H.H. Holmes. Oh, yeah, the the cop who found it and has found the 
box in his garage? Well, this is the guy that is he he's like a direct he's like a great he's he's a direct I've descendant. It. I've heard it. And and he his belief is that H. H. Holmes was Jack the Ripper. Yeah, I mean that he went over there at that time. He went over I, there at that time, and I Jack was an alias it. that he used, and he tracked the evolution of like his early murders, like. You know, Jack the Ripper was like refining his surgical techniques. It's very satisfying. I and will say. so, it's a very and, satisfying theory. But of course, what you want is the end of that, and whatever. It's a, this is kind of a spoiler, but you know, if H. H. Holmes was Jack the Ripper, you'd already know about it by now. But, but it's just it's a difficult one to pay off because it, there, it's just sort of open ended. Like, well, this is all the, these are all the reasons why. But I guess it's kind of up to you to sort of. But hello, never know. the fact that H. H. Holmes really existed. Uh, yes, is so disgusting, and and you know that he built a whole hotel that was, you know, basically a, a place for boiling down a women. murder. Yeah, a murder hotel that they can't excavate because there's a post office on top of where it used to be, and so the so what the government won't give them permission to excavate because it's like their parking lot, it's like a post office parking lot. So it's like, oh it's, for God's sake, I know. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I know, I know. This motherfucker bought a cement factory. And may have pioneered, like, putting people in cement and so, dropping them into the river in so Chicago. what period in his uh, evolution did he, does this chap say he went to London? It was after... Prior to the hotel, obviously. I don't know if it was prior to the hotel. who the hell's going to be looking after the hotel and making sure nobody goes in the second floor or the basement? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Who's going to be... <laughs> That looks like a bathroom. It's a meat grinder. It's like Igor. It. Re- yeah. Did he have an Igor? I can't remember. He had an accomplice that he ultimately killed. killed. Right. He had like, I mean, this guy literally murdered everyone in his life. He murdered every wife. He took their, and he got caught by, because of an insurance scam. Because he kept murdering wives and claiming insurance money. And I'm pretty sure they found, and then the guy who was covering for him the whole time, they ended up killing that guy. So he was just like... Like some he people did. are just, yeah. I don't know if it's nature or nurture, but some people, he was just a bad egg. A very bad egg. Yeah. A very bad egg. The bad eggs of the last 10 years were Casey Anthony, the three, the big three were right. Casey Anthony, Jody Arias, and Chris Watts. Right. right? There is a try, another thing, a lot of crazy stuff happens in Colorado, actually. Um, one that happened in Colorado was Shauna Nelson. Do you know about that no. one? Shauna Nelson. So interesting. So she's got this really handsome, husky bearded, good looking um, cop husband. And she's having an affair with the kind of ugly married colleague of her husband. Mm-hmm. And she's a police dispatcher. And his name is Ig, which is just the fact that his name is Ig. It's, obviously, it's Ignacio, but his name is Ig. Right. It's like Id. It's, like, it's just something about that. Name is really, I don't know, it says it all really. Anyway, so she, she, does she have a baby to egg? She has a baby to egg, and her husband, sort of dumpty doo, doesn't know anything about it. And then one night she makes the kids, you know, here kids have some pizza, and mommy's going to go and have a bath, sneaks out the bathroom window, and uh, puts on one of those Halloween masks and like a snood, what do you call that? You know, a, mm-hmm. that, that big long face of Halloween. You know, like a scream. Oh, scream! Like the like, yeah, like like the like, like the Halloween that. mask. Well, right? Yeah, and some little uh, karate shoes, mm-hmm. and drives through the snow in her husband's truck, 
guns down Egg's wife in a car park. Without using a man's voice, but she runs like a girl, so all the workers see it. Anyway, runs her husband actually apprehends her on the way home. Meanwhile, she's chucked all the the Halloween costume out the windows, right? And um, her husband, I think, was the one who actually apprehended her. And it's just so... It was kind of intriguing. Like none of these people had to. Nobody had to go to prison. Nobody had to die. Right. No, none of these things needed to happen except this woman went apeshit on this particular day and gunned down this completely innocent, nice woman who was never the did wife any of the... harm of the lover. Oh my gosh! But it was. Um, it's. It. I always thought, like, God, I wish I was young enough to play her because I would love to walk in her. <laughs> little karate shoes just try to figure <laughs> out just sort of trying to figure when out when did she go that's a good idea do you, but do you ever worry oh, this is like a weird paranoid thought but do you ever like if you're playing one of these characters do you have any fear that you're gonna like go oh i get i get it now like i understand well i the think darkness but nothing that is human is alien to me <laughs> <laughs> except i don't get the J- jody arias thing because that's that's a bridge too far. You know, you're, you're not coming at it from a normal right. psychology, whereas I believe this woman was, up until this point, normal but avaricious and lustful and um, covetous and all this stuff. I mean, that's a lot of planning to be like, I'm going to sneak out. And leave my kids alone. Leave the kids alone, put on all this stuff, go. It sounds like, I feel like there was a homicide hunter where they caught, where maybe it was this woman or something similar happened, but they what they realized is that... One like little weird detail was that they saw her carrying a purse over her shoulder, at, like that it was like a fake crime. So this this person disguised as a man, but it was a woman stole the purse. But it was they finally cracked it after a while. Like, wait, how was she holding the purse? When, how was this person holding the purse when he ran away? Oh, put it over his shoulder. Oh, well, that's how a woman carries. And then they realize, oh my god, it was a woman disguised as a man. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if that's the same case. Mm. So the husband, like they immediately, they immediately caught her, or it took a little bit of time. No, they caught they they caught her right on the right way away. back, okay. I believe. But she case. was pulled over because um, it wasn't a very big city or anything. You know, she was leaving the bank and driving. I don't know, five, five miles home or something, and it was. I don't know. I mean, these are they're so strange because it's not the the only takeaway is really like yeah, don't kill people, but. There's not really another takeaway other than that. Of ju- you're just kind of watching, like oh. this is what happens when people go sideways. Yeah, the, and the amazing disrespect, disrespect to her kids to use them as her alibi, you know, and disrespect to her husband to use his truck um, to go and gun this woman. You know, everything was about protecting her um, identity. Right. Just the utter, utter hideous. All her care was about herself getting away with it. Right. And everybody else was just props. If, I wonder, is that just unchecked narcissism? Is that a circumstantial I, lapse in judgment? Like, it I just... don't know. There's just too many, there's too many factors. But when something is that premeditated, it's sort of... Like, that's not a crime of... Pa- not that any of it's okay, but I mean, yeah. like, you know, when someone goes to those lengths... Somebody's it's like, oh, yeah, that's... And that the husband... I mean, I wonder if he had any... He, there's no way he could have any, in, any inkling. No, he was a good... You know, he was kind of a good guy who didn't... 
appear to know who his wife truly was. And do any of us know who anybody is? I mean, I guess that's true, no, but, but it's still. Yeah, no, no, she was a stinker. Anyway, <laughs> I um, but it, it was just intriguing to me because it's such a family drama, you know. Ugh. So any and other- all for the love of egg. <laughs> <laughs> for egg, for egg, pathetic. Come on, because this her husband was actually raising his. I think maybe her husband knew, and he was raising the kid anyway. Oh wow! It was something. You know, I might be getting that wrong. So those are so those are the big three, and then that one as well. Is there another no, one that wouldn't doesn't constitute come anywhere near the big three because the big three are just too intriguing. When you have brilliant liars, I mean, Chris Watts was by no means a good liar. He was caught dead to rights. And, and, and the other thing is that everything's on camera these days. There's so much documentary evidence, right? right? For um, whether it's at the bank or, um, you know, the neighbor's security cameras are picking information up or they've got that kind of door lock that mm-hmm. films who have visited. So much real-time evidence of this is the victim going from leaving the airport, arriving at home, um, not leaving in the morning, you know, him pulling his truck up in a very suspicious way. Yeah. Well, and that's why going back to H.H. H. Holmes, it's why it was the, the, the lack of any surveillance and also setting up during the World's Fair, the Chicago World's Fair, where you have people just transiently coming and going. No, there's no real, there's no Staying record of anything. Staying for a hotel to stay at. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's, it's crazy. But did you watch Mindhunter on Netflix? Uh, yes, I've seen some of it. Yeah, yeah the second se- it's that idea when they because the profiling of serial killers is, I mean, in terms of like culturally, relatively new, like mm. in the history mm. of people. Yeah, and that idea of you know obsession, it just it just seems weird that that's. I mean, I'm sure there must have been some version of that at some point, but when you think about how police in general are not that old as a as a like the modern day police that we know it's like what 150 years old may you know maybe and that kind of like modern police work and modern detective work it's actually not it's it's still a relatively new thing science yeah yeah uh do you what do you think this says about us as a people do you think that there's anything to be learned from any of this stuff or do you think that there's a way to snuff it out or is it just like well as long as there's going to be people there's going to be shitty ones and there's going to be murders yeah I do think that oh man but we can reduce the incidents by addressing um, economic inequity and um, because a lot of those a lot of murders are caused by stress right Mm -hmm. and um, of course Drugs and mental illness and lack of um, security is those all bring those kind of stresses. Yeah, and it's it's unfortunate that there's not a way to try to treat the problem and not the symptom. The symptom being just people going, you know, like losing it and killing people, but mm. figuring out how do we, how can we get better access to mental health treatment and and drug drug treatment and you know yeah. before before you it know goes what sideways. they did in, in Portugal that seems to be working is they de- decriminalized all drugs and incarceration obviously goes way down but HIV new new infections have dropped to um, the lowest levels any countries because people aren't sharing needles because uh, they can just go well people are able to seek help without the fear that without they're going the to be incarcerated 
Right, without and without the stigma. Stigma is a big one that makes people go towards things. You know, we we all relate to being told, "Oh, you can't have that um, cookie as a child," and then just wanting the cookie so bad. Right? <laughs> it, it, there's something in us. We're hardwired to want to break the rules a little bit. You know, all of us. Um, anyway, I I think that we should be looking at places like Portugal and going. You know what? It doesn't have to be right, but it works. Right. It works, and um, and stop acting like our identity, our national identity, is predicated on having a war on drugs, which is a big joke, and everybody knows it. Or um, you know, well, there's a ton of things that we all think are really necessary to being um, part of America, or part of New Zealand, or part of anywhere that are just not so. I really, really, really hope that. Well, there's a lot of things that I hope. I think it would be fun, you know, if you got to go back and revisit Xena again. I also think it would be really great to see you on, like, a real gritty crime drama show. Because it, it's, you are, you live it, you you are so passionate about it that I just, I think it would really connect and land for you in a big way. Oh, yeah, well, that'd be nice. Thank you. From your from your mouth to God's ear. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, you know, maybe, you know, since you do write, maybe it's something to think about pitching. I, I just, I feel like, it just feels like there's something there. And I know it's very, it's something that you just do. And, you know, maybe you don't want to turn something that's kind of like your fascination and meditative space into like a job. <laughs> but at the same time, it just seems to me that there's, there's there's really something there for you, like in a in a real way that might that might pay off. So I don't know, maybe in your free time, just think about taking some notes, come up with a show, and uh, and and pitch it. Because I I really 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 believe just hearing you talk, and I, I can see your face. People can't see your face, and I your eyes light up when you when you sort of talk about the the process of it. I mean, like it's clear that you're passionate about it. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. Huh. Okay. <laughs> I wonder what your show would be. Do you like doing the American accent? Yeah, yeah, I'm a bit rusty, but because mm-hmm. you even you know what I this is a super nerdy thing to say, but um, as a big Simpsons fan, your Simpsons Halloween episode is yeah. great. But if I remember correctly, I think you're doing an American accent in there. I told you I'm not Lucy Lawless. Oh, I was doing the Xena voice. Yeah, Xena. You were doing uh, the Xena voice. Xena has an American yeah. accent. Yeah. Xena doesn't fly. I told you I'm. I'm, I'm not Xena. <laughs> that's right. I'm not Xena. I'm Lucy Lawless. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> and also a fun, a gentle swipe at Comic Con culture in a delightful, fun way. Adorable way. The collector. It was fun. But uh, is there anything you want to plug or promote or anything you are excited about right now? Do you know what? I've been meditating. TM? I got, yeah, TM. Because I, uh, I got kicked in the head like a year ago at yoga. And I've had a, you know, a couple of concussions in my life. And um, it just um, got harder and harder. It, it was causing some problems. You know, I went to see uh, some body work. They're like, you know you have a concussion and you've got whiplash on both sides of your neck, which has probably been around for like decades. It's a very uncommon like, thing. Uh, you know doesn't really feel like a place you get uh, like contact uh, injured. I know it was a, she was an overzealous handstander. Anyway, um, <laughs> oh, no. but I find that TM has been the most effective at it lets your brain slow down and, and start to heal. And I feel so much better. But has these other collateral effects of just shutting out the noise mm-hmm. of life 
and making me far more focused and far more um, you can just go deeper into things and um, I don't know, it stops you wasting time. So 20 minutes once or twice a day, it seems like a lot of time to carve out, but it buys you hours and hours. No, I've been doing it for a couple of years and, yeah. and, and the 20 minutes in the beginning feels a little excruciating because you're like, what am I supposed to be doing? But it doesn't take too long before yeah. it, the 20 minutes is just over. Hey, um, do you do it like sitting cross-legged? No. Oh, I cannot do I did that this morning. I couldn't walk for <laughs> No, I don't think you're supposed to do it. I don't think you have to do it that way. No, I just... you don't, but I just want to I just want to sit on the ground so I can get my hips, you know, I do oh, yoga right, as right, well. Right, right. So I'm just trying to help myself as you get older, you want to be really mobile, right? But by golly, I don't think I can do that. No, I would just I would I would recommend just doing stretching. Do you have a foam roller? Yeah, well, not not in my suitcase. I travel like <laughs> you can get like travel size foam rollers. Like I got I got a roller for a friend of mine that's a water bottle. Yeah, and it's it's a water bottle and a roller, and it's got these like ridges on it. And what do you do with it? You you roll on it. You 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 lie on it, and you basically like roll around until you find like some hidden spot. Yeah, so, yeah, like some spot. Yeah, and then you just kind of sit there for a second until it works itself out. Because if you just sit cross legged for twenty minutes, like I. If I got on my knees on the floor right now, after five minutes, I would be limping for like 20 minutes. Yeah. So it's, yeah, I don't, I, I, the way that I was taught to do the TM is that you just get into a comfortable position yeah. that it's supposed to be as seamless and simple as possible yeah. and effortless. And yeah, yeah. that. I'm going back to the armchair after this, but, but I pushed all the furniture to the sides of the room. And I just sort of sit on the ground now with um, cushions and things, but um uh, but yeah, I'm going back to the chair for meditation for sure. I feel like if I tried to do that after five minutes, I'd be like, ow, 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 ow. Like I wouldn't yeah. be able to, I like, to focus I on the thing. I have to admit, I only made it 15 minutes. I was like, <laughs> bugger this for a game of soldiers. This is awful. Yeah, I think that's just that yeah. older idea of like to meditate, you have to sit straight up and you have to. Well, that's that's why I think the idea of meditation is so daunting to people because they do have that notion of like, you know, like this perfectly flexible yogi fella who just meditates. He just ohms so hard, you know, yeah. and they're like, I just got to meditate so hard. And it's like, no, it's the absence <laughs> of doing anything, you know, yeah. it's like it's you're not you're trying to not like. <gasps> so do you do it with a, I, I do a guided meditation because I don't trust myself. <laughs> so you do you do a real one and just use your word. Yeah. Yeah, oh, I do. Good. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, and a lot of times I, I, my brain just starts in trying to engage in stuff and I just try to remember mm-hmm. to do the word and bring it back to like, Oh, this is what I'm here to do. And once you can kind of accept that there's, there's no real wrong way to do it. Everyone's yeah. going to be every, every yeah. different session is going to be different. Then it's sort of like, but you, it seems to work anyway. It does. Like it changes changes your life in a really strange way I'm, I'm i feel so like ridiculously calm well, these days i think the other thing too is on a very subconscious level much in the same way as if you stretch or you exercise or you eat healthy when you make those choices you're basically on a very deep level saying to yourself i am worth taking the time to do something that's helpful and so there is there is almost an acceptance of yourself in that way right. because it's it's difficult to do things in a cons- consistently if you you know like if if you really have it out for yourself right because you would right. you wouldn't make those like pro you choices and so i think on a deep subconscious level 
you're kind of it doesn't accepting work yourself. yet. That's right. Change doesn't happen with this finger wagging no. at yourself. It just doesn't happen that no, way. No, because then you just then that just creates a, sh- a cycle of shame and self-loathing. Right. And then you're just not and you're spiraling. You don't get anything done. Right. Yeah. So I think in a way, not only is it sort of doing all of the things that you know, like rest and all the stuff, all the chemical stuff, but I think there's also like a real spiritual and self and self and subconscious like. Hey, I'm a, you know, like I'm, I deserve to feel calm. I deserve, it's like an acceptance of yourself, right. I think. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but uh, I hope that you feel welcome to come back on this podcast anytime Thank you. you want to talk about murder shows or TM okay. or, or, you know, the inevitable Xena reboot that's going to happen. <laughs> Anything that you want to talk about, you are welcome to, to come on, especially if you move into the neighborhood. Yeah, Come I love on. your neighborhood. Oh my god, it's, it's great up here. Cool views. The huh? views are good, but it's also like it's very quiet up here. But you're two minutes from everything, you know. Yeah, I like. The only it. noise you hear at night is sometimes you'll hear coyotes, and it's kind of nice. It's kind of nice. Yeah. Um, thank you for being here, Lucy Lawless. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm going to go get the Necronomicon <laughs> and show it to you. And uh, this is where we will end. The end. ID 10 scanning complete. Enjoy your burrito. I feel like I was blindsided. Because it's a competition show. From the producers of Jury Duty and The Bachelor. We have scoured the earth for the 14 greatest reality contestants that were available during our production window. Comes a reality competition show about reality competition shows. Nobody has dared to find out who is the actual best at just being on a reality show. I'm your host, comedian Daniel Tosh. Is winner go home. Each episode, our contestants will face new challenges that will test their strength and lack of life skills for a chance to win two hundred million dollars. $200,000. Prepare, because it's about to be ugly crying. Lots of fighting. Tasha, I have to defend myself. Celebrating 25 years of reality TV with your favorites. I have diarrhea. You cannot do this to me. What in gay hell have I got myself into? The Goat, premiering on Freebie and Prime Video on May 9th.